social stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people trying to cross the border. Build a new world order Too many minds are convinced They should be led I've gotta be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled By the damn UN Taking your right to self-defense They say you're safer But they don't make sense Dangerous ones will not turn into guns Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn UN. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And as you can probably tell from my voice, uh, still a bit under the weather. It comes, it goes. Uh, <laughs> a couple of points on the Friday Night Live show this past Friday. Uh, Doug said he wasn't real sure if I was even going to be able to make it through. said, I started off sounding fine, but as the show went on, my voice got kind of weird. Uh, part of that was because I was trying so very difficult not to let it sound weird. And, of course, that put extra pressure on. Now, it was kind of hard for me to wait until today to get started because there was breaking news on Friday that blew up over all day Saturday involving the governor of New Mexico and her... I don't even know what to call it. What is a good descriptor of this unconstitutional, authoritarian, ridiculous excuse testing the limits of legal theory, bovine excrement? Because that's what this order is. And of course, you undoubtedly know by now that I'm talking about her uh, emergency medical crisis order that 
somehow was supposed to magically change the effects of gun violence on Albuquerque and the surrounding county. Because that's the only city and then the only county that's actually affected by the way this particular little executive order that is not a legal executive order, by the way. It not only violates the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution, it also violates the New Mexico State Constitution, which is why an overwhelming majority of law enforcement officers, especially county and city level, have already said point blank, uh, we don't have the legal authority to try to enforce this illegal order in the first place, so we're not going to do it. So, as you can imagine, with that going on, it was very hard for me to wait till today to even get started on it, because there's not going to be a whole lot I can say about it now that hasn't already been said, but there's no way that I cannot not cover this story, despite it being one of the biggest uh, news stories. It may end up being the biggest one of the year, because, well, we'll get into that more after we set up the full story, and I'll do that right after I remind you about our friends over at Vanish Holsters. There's good reason I'm starting with Vanish Holsters today, because these people are trying to help make sure that you have your firearm on you, if you can legally carry, whether you need to do so openly, or if you're doing so in concealed carry purposes. Nobody is better at providing you a comfortable, safe, and money-saving holster than Vanish. Thousands of their customers will be willing to attest to that. In fact, thousands of their customers already have. You can find the reviews all over the place. Just look them up online. Just ask, go on your favorite multimedia presentation site and type in customer... <laughs> Uh, critiques for uh, Vanish Holsters. Make sure you spell it correctly. It's V-N-S-H, Holsters. Funny spelling for the word Vanish. But just do it. Uh, thousands and thousands of customer proclamations about how it is, in fact, the most comfortable holster you're going to come across. And it's worthwhile because if the day ever comes where you 100% have to stand up to protect yourself, your family, your friends and neighbors, your property, whatever it may come down to. You do not want to be at the ridiculous disadvantage of not having your firearm on you when you need it. That's why you need a vanished holster. Don't let comfort get in the way of it, and don't let a lack of uh, money savings get in the way because you have the opportunity to save money in ways that you might not have thought of. Why? Because Vanish holsters are designed to work with nearly all semi-automatic handguns. They will allow you to carry two additional magazines, so in the event that you have to do a quick reload, you're good to go. And it's designed to work without a tactical belt, which is one of those hidden expenses you don't always think about when you're picking out a holster till you have the holster and you're like, Ah, crap, i got to have a tactical belt to make this work. Or, on the other side of it, also a comfort factor, as most tactical belts you have to carry a certain way. With the Vanish holster, you can carry in multiple positions. Find the one that works best for you. Okay, so there's the biggest parts of the pitches, but the best pitch that can be made is for you to go see for yourself. So, take a few moments to go to www.vnsh.com. 
youtube.com backslash T-A-P-P. Thomas Apple Paul Paul. Uh, the reason you want to use that backslash T-A-P-P is it automatically activates for you a $40 discount. A discount that is very important in the age of Bidenomics. After all, if you're going to get something that you know you're going to need, why not take full advantage of any savings that are available? Who can afford not to save money, right? Okay, one more time. www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. All right, so here's the deal. The Democratic governor of the state of New Mexico, one Michelle Grisham, has, by her executive order, banned people from being able to carry guns in Albuquerque and the surrounding county for at least the next 30 days after a young child was killed during a road rage incident. Grissom signed this executive order on Thursday of last week, declaring that gun violence was a public health emergency in the Democratic-controlled state. On Friday, and this is when things really blew up, she had a press conference. Grissom unilaterally suspended open and concealed carry laws in Albuquerque and the surrounding area. She said that she could further lengthen or renew her order, which was, of course, immediately slammed by many as being unconstitutional. Now, I would say all that slamming is a legitimate and very astute legal observation as well, because it's clearly not constitutional. It's clearly a violation, like I've already said, of both the United States Constitution and the Alb Albuquerque, <laughs> the New Mexico State Constitution, which... You know, I don't know if the city of Albuquerque and its uh, founding charter has a, a violation there or not either, but uh, again, not relevant. She's the governor of the state of New Mexico. New Mexico's state constitution also does not permit elected officials the authority to interfere with legal gun ownership. This is an abridging of legal gun ownership, although there is an effort to try to, to work around it, and we'll get more into details after I'm done setting up the story. So as we continue, Grissom basically admitted right out the gate that her order might be unconstitutional uh, when she considered that she might not win legal challenges that will undoubtedly be filed against the order, saying, quote, Now, I'm sure as I go through the rest of this, there will be a lot of questions about whether or not we think we have the legal right to do that. I'm sure that before you write this, because, again, this was a press conference. She was talking to reporters. Back to the quote. I'm sure that before you write this, there will be a legal challenge. And I can't tell you that we win it given all of the different challenges to gun violence laws and restrictions on individual firearm access and control. Now, what she's saying here is that there are still courts, there are still judges that actually adhere to the Constitution, that actually 
make decisions and rulings and offer opinions based on little things like the law and constitution and what the individual's rights are and that it is in fact the government that is restricted to the constitution that it is in fact elected office holders that have their authority restricted in our form of government not a democracy but a constitutionally federated republic she acknowledges this but she even then so uses the language of the left the democrats effort to frame this argument by referring to it as gun violence laws and individual firearm access and control because when they say access and control what they mean is we have to be able to control who has access of firearms why because we don't want violent criminals to have them and yet the funny thing here is this doesn't affect violent criminals gun laws never affect violent criminals it doesn't affect criminals with guns it just makes previously law-abiding citizens that are going to refuse to give up their constitutionally protected god-given right to self-defense who utilize guns in the process it's only going to turn them into criminals if they refuse to bow down to such a thing which is why both state constitution and the united states constitution in the state of new mexico I, this is why they both say no this is protected but she still uses that language. She was later challenged directly over whether her decision to unilaterally override laws was unconstitutional. And she responded that her decision to declare an emergency gives her additional powers. Now, here's the dangerous part. Here's why no matter how much coverage this gets, it's not going to be enough. Because at the very heart of it, she is setting herself up to try to push forward this very dangerous legal theory that we've already seen the Democrats pushing, that a public health emergency can overrule individual constitutional rights. The reason it's so dangerous is because we've already seen that Democrats, at least, and I would imagine there's a fair number of folks with an R at the end of their name. We certainly could probably point at a few of them at this point. But we know nearly every Democratic office holder currently serving are willing to declare anything a public health emergency if it suits their needs. A reminder that, yes, guns can affect someone's health if they're being used improperly. But gun violence is not an epidemic it's not contagious it doesn't spread uh, like a virus uh, however it does seem to increase in areas where the actual public health uh, safety health issue of voting for democrats into majority positions that, that seems to be a pretty uh, pretty bad epidemic and that seems to be where gun violence goes up but you see they use that terminology, and my friend Dan Wass, he would be real quick if I could get him back on, but he's busy doing his own podcast these days. It's hard to, to schedule, but uh, if I could get him back on, he'd be so fast to correct me, uh, telling me, don't use that language. That's their language, and he's absolutely right. None of us should be using the phrase gun violence. G uh, violence perpetrated with a gun still isn't gun violence. The gun's not the one that did it. 
It's people violence. It's criminal violence. And those same criminals, if they didn't have access to a gun, they would use whatever was available. We know this. We we talk about it all the time. Statistics in areas where there is lower gun ownership among the criminal element. Ferret this out as well. Uh, if a criminal doesn't have a gun and they're still going to be violent, they'll use a blade. If they don't have a blade, they'll use a rock. If they don't have a rock, they'll use a brick. If they don't have a brick, they'll use a hammer. If they don't have a hammer, you get my point. Grissom is offering up this, not because they necessarily expect it to, expect it to stick, but because they're trying to get this back into the public uh, consciousness. They're trying to create a zeitgeist uh, of the moment to try to get you to believe that a, a health crisis, a public health emergency, gives the government powers they don't normally have in the effort to keep you safe, of course. She, in her effort to respond to this, also made a very telling statement, stating that, quote, no constitutional right, in my view, including my oath, is intended to be absolute. There are restrictions on free speech. There are restrictions on my freedoms. She said that. Now, I will remind you that in a strict interpretation of the Constitution, there are no restrictions on free speech. And the left thrive on the fact that there isn't. They have won uh, defamation lawsuits, uh, avoid being found guilty of defamation. Uh, freaking news media outlets have managed to avoid defamation suits and other lawsuits for failing to inform the public honestly by virtue of showing that they were telling misinformation, falsehoods, lies, and knowing that they were lies. They have won these lawsuits on their side because there is, in fact, no expectation and no requirement of them being honest. And the removal of honesty means that there is no restriction on free speech. Now, they're also very much on the side of trying to restrict free speech right now for any conservative, but they'll say there's restrictions on free speech. But again, there's not. Legally speaking, at this moment in time, there is not, despite the best efforts of the left. Now, they win court cases. They certainly make it seem like there are. Right now, former leader of the Proud Boys is going to prison for 22 years because he exercised free speech. They're trying to make it criminal. They're trying to say that, okay, so what is the limit of free speech? Well, you can't incite violence. Well, incitement of violence is a criminal act. That's not free expression. That is, you trying to manipulate others into committing acts of violence. You can make legitimate arguments in that case, but the bar is supposed to be very high. The old adage about a shouting fire in a theater, well, that was only accepted as a legal standard for a very short period of time in the United States. And it has since, quite a while back, been determined to not be a legally binding uh, principle. It's not something that is going to hold up in court. You can, in fact, scream fire in a crowded theater, I wouldn't recommend it. It's not a good idea, especially if people get hurt. You ought to have more sense than that. 
we're not exactly living in an age of sense, but whatever these restrictions on free speech she was referring to, whatever restrictions on her freedoms she's talking to, may not actually be legal restrictions unless her freedoms uh, have her desiring to be criminal, which I would actually say this order, by virtue of not being legal, could arguably be criminal. Uh, an effort to deprive others of their constitutionally protected rights generally is one of the ways we define criminal activities. I tend to think it's probably more a civil thing than uh, criminal, but we'll see how these things shoot out. Governor Grissom then continued. She spoke about the 11-year-old who was killed just this past week and others who've been killed in shootings, saying, quote, but wait a minute. You're talking about crimes. Uh, again, this is a reporter pushing back on this idea. There are already laws against the crime. So how are their rights? And couldn't quite make out the rest of what was being said. She interjected. But again, if I'm unsafe, who's standing up for that right? If this climate is so out of control, somebody should do something. I'm doing as much as I know to do. Well, that just means that clearly you've acknowledged you're incompetent in doing your job. Because you already mentioned earlier in your statement about no constitutional rights being absolute, which, by the way, is false. Your constitutionally protected rights are absolute. It's the government constantly trying to convince you it's not because you have people in those offices that are trying to exert more power and more authority over you than they have a legal right to. She admitted she was saying this in the violation of her oath of office. In my mind, no constitutional right, even given my oath, is absolute. She took an oath to defend the Constitution of the United States of America, and the Constitution of the State of New Mexico. She is doing neither in this incident, and she's not doing anything to curb or downplay uh, violence being perpetrated by firearms. She's only putting more innocent, law-abiding citizens at risk of becoming victims of violent crime. Because, again, the criminals, they're going to do the crimes. That, that's, their, that's why they're criminals. They're out doing the criming, right? Uh, if I'm unsafe, who's standing up for that right? Well, ma'am, you're supposed to be. As the duly elected and sworn-in governor of the state of New Mexico, you're supposed to be standing up for the constitutionally protected and enumerated rights of the citizens of your state to be able to defend themselves, not to have to rely on law enforcement getting that 911 call and showing up and then stopping the crime if it's not already too late. You're supposed to be their advocate. They put you there and you're supposed to be, and I know you've heard this phrase before, a public servant. You're supposed to be tough on crime. You're supposed to be tough on the criminals, not trying to make it easier for the criminals to pick out and do various whatever to the other law-abiding citizenry. You think it's going to make it safer in Albuquerque or the surrounding county or any other part of the state 
if suddenly they were unable to carry their firearms? Crack down on the ones who have guns who aren't supposed to. At one point in her press conference, she literally responded to one of the questions as when they asked, well, well what of the uh, law enforcement's already making it clear here, uh, nobody is going to arrest a concealed carry permit holder who happens to have their guns and they're walking down the street of Albuquerque. And she says, maybe they should. She admitted multiple times she doesn't expect this part of this order to withstand legal scrutiny, but she's trying to start the conversation that she thinks it's time we had the conversation about the absoluteness of constitutional rights. She tipped her hand multiple times that it's not about health, but that's still the excuse they want to use. They want to use that excuse because they think that because in many locations they have granted themselves additional powers under emergency circumstances, that that's the route to disarming the American public. That's the route to taking away all constitutionally protected rights. But again, they don't understand, and they want you to not understand. They count on the public being too dumb to know that the Constitution is not the grantor of rights. It doesn't come from the Constitution. It is listed there, and if it's particularly enumer enumerated, Forgive, I gotta get the sinus stuff cleared. If it's particularly enumerated, that meant that whoever took the time to write out these constitutions and these sections of the amendments that were added to it, that they understood it was so important that the government not get involved with it that they had to mention it. But it's not about the government granting you rights. It's about the government being constrained against taking those rights away from you. It was about the government being as part of its responsibility to protect those rights for you on your behalf, not stand opposed to it in any government that gets duly elected or not, that fails to do that primary job is not a legitimate government within our system. And I don't care if you're talking about a city council. I don't care if you're talking about a county commission. I don't care if you're talking about a state legislature or, in this case, the Office of Governor, or at the U.S. level. And there's a whole lot more room for experimentation of government authority and power the closer you get to the people. But this is a bridge too far, because it's not just about what's happening in New Mexico. This is about the longer this is allowed to stand, the more likely they are to take this and import it to another democratically controlled jurisdiction. And then the more democratically controlled jurisdictions it's allowed to exist in, the more it's going to become not just accepted legal theory in the United States, but eventually the accepted judiciary practice within the United States. The ending of your constitutionally protected rights is literally on the line. And again, if you will notice, when the governor was talking in her news conference about this being a 30-day order, because again, all public health emergencies have to be limited by definition in every part of the United States, she talked about uh, at the end of that 30 days, if they have to extend it 
or amend it or adjust it. Not once did she say rescind it. Not once did she say allow it to expire. So there is no intention whatsoever in the minds of this particular Democratic governor who is going to be rewarded by the National Party. Make no mistake, Governor Grisham is now, she's stepping up and doing this on behalf of the National Party. She's stepping up and doing this on behalf of the Biden administration. And I say the administration because we all know what limited capacity Joe Biden himself is involved with. This is about pushing the Democratic agenda and, again, about disarming the American public, regardless if you have a legal carry permit or not, regardless if you are legally permitted to, to have a handgun. And again, to try to give themselves some cover in court and to avoid just an immediate dismissal of it, they gave certain restri uh, restrictions to themselves like, well, you can have it on your uh, private property if you legally own and, and you can transport but you have to keep it transported to other legal businesses that uh, only deal with your handguns like the firing range or the gunsmith shop you can do those things but the firearm must be contained in a locked box or has to have a trigger lock in place so that technically once you leave your property, you can transport it, you can have it, but you're not allowed to be carrying it. Your legal right to have your firearm is restricted. This is an effort, a concerted effort to take that next step. They're trying to diminish and destroy every constitutional protected right that they know that you know you have. And they're trying to make it seem like only unreasonable people would stand opposed to it. They're trying to make it seem like if you don't understand the, the, the health crisis that's happening on the streets of Albuquerque, I don't know. How about this? How about you take a page out of the book of Wild West, New Mexico. How about you take a page out of the books of some of your neighboring states who understand that higher gun ownership per capita means less violent gun crime. Those are statistics that they try to hide from, that they try to lie about, that they try to pretend like don't exist. And yet, since we first started keeping track of such things, they've constantly proven to be true. And there's no outliers. It's constantly true in areas where there's more gun ownership per capita. There's less violent crime. And the inverse is also true wherever. And places where such violence takes place, where perpetrators get involved back and forth with one another, like an instance that was talked about multiple times during this conference uh, where a school shooting took place. A group of four teenagers from the school came at each other and then random other people uh, were able to avoid harm but had to scatter to the winds. Gang violence. Crime. High levels of crime. And, and 
again, statistically speaking, when the levels get as high as they are, it's almost always in areas where you have exclusive democratic control where people are growing up with a lack of a lack of understanding of the importance of the sanctity of life where they're taught no respect for their elders. They grow up with no respect for themselves. And I'm sorry, I have a really hard time, Governor Grisham, hearing anybody talk about how it's for the children when I know that you're also 100% for abortion all the way up to uh, three years after birth. Uh, it really is ridiculous. You're not doing this for the children. You're doing this on behalf of the Democratic Party. You've probably been promised a high position in the next Democratic administration, uh, and you're going to need it because even the Democrats in your state are not liking you trying to take away their ability to keep themselves safe. This is a story we're going to have to keep close eyes on, close tabs on. We're going to continue talking about this moving forward because we have no choice. It's just too important. All right, I'm past the mid-hour point of uh, the first hour here. So let's go ahead and take a bit of a break. And on the flip side, we'll move on to another story that we've already talked about, but... It's advancing much the same way that I expected that it just might. So don't go anywhere. I'll be right back after this brief break. Hi, I'm George Sinzer of Firefox News Online Productions, and you're listening to Tim Tap on Tap Into the Truth. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free, and I won't forget the men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today, cause there ain't no doubt I love this land, God bless the USA. Before every great U.S. city completely collapses under the weight of ruthless demonic policies of mostly Democrat politicians and community activists, the remaining civilized sovereign citizens had better unite and make some serious changes. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Like cancer in a human body that begins as a small tumor that is not properly neutralized, it metastasizes and destroys the entire body. The unchecked leftist policies of most Democrat mayors and city councils have laid the groundwork for massive urban destruction that at one time was relegated to small sections of cities known as slums. But today, retail stores are closing down in the once tony sections of Beverly Hills, California, Portland, Oregon, San Francisco, New York City, and even San Diego and Austin, Texas, are plagued by rapidly growing destructive homeless populations and rapid criminal activity that has caused and encouraged by leftist politicians to destroy our cities and our exceptional nation way of life. My fellow Americans, most politicians and globalist elites will completely destroy our republic with the help of street cretins if we allow it. Time to stop the madness. And remember, if you don't know or stand for your inalienable rights, you won't have them. I'm Ron Edwards.
Bean stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and you grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire around 65 years old. And the idea of Beanstalks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key. The idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly But the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. When I invented MyPillow, my passion was to help each and every one of you. And 20 years later, all of your support is what keeps us going. Because of you, we've been able to create thousands of USA jobs and help millions get the best sleep ever. To thank you, my employees and I are bringing you a limited edition MyPillow. The Giza Elegance My Pillow is made with my patented adjustable fill, the most amazing cotton, and a two-inch pipe cusset. It has four custom loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and you get my 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code TAPP or call 1-800-659-9936. That's MyPillow.com with promo code TAPP. Use your promo code to get your limited edition 20th anniversary MyPillow queen size. Retails for $69.98, now only $19.98. That's right, get a queen size MyPillow for only $19.98. From all of us here at MyPillow... Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to BlueEdgeCoffeeCrafters.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 10% discount. Remember... Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. I am a real American, fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American, fight for what's right, fight for your life. Hi, this is Rod Eccles, and you're listening to Tap Into the Truth with Tim Tapp.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. Before we get back into uh, the show, I do need to ask you to please keep in mind that given the current woke levels in the medical profession, you really got to take your health into your own hands. You need to go out there and do all the smart things. We we know most of what we need to do. We need to eat better. We need to be smarter about our exercise. But we also know that there are a lot of supplements out there that can really improve the quality of your life for various reasons and in various ways. But we, again, also know that there's a ton of them out there aren't delivering on their promises uh, the way we might expect. Which is why if you're worried about your heart, your memory, or swollen achy joints, I want to put you in touch with my friends over at Native Path. They have an Antarctic Krill oil supplement that really could help put an end to issues with all three. And they have certainly kept their promises to me in regards to swollen and achy joints, particularly my ankles and knees. It's just, again, I don't hesitate to use the word miracle with how well it has helped me with that. Uh, their Antarctic Krill oil, it's been shown to help support healthy blood pressure, better circulation, brain health, as well as to reduce inflammation throughout the body, especially swelling and joint pain. No better time to try it for yourself. Exclusive offer to tap into the truth listeners, visit FixSwollenFeet.com. Literally can get up to 58% off if you take full advantage of the complete deal there. So again, their krill oil, it's pure. I can attest to how effective it is, at least for what it's done for me. And it is very bioavailable, aka easily absorbed and used by the body contains the omega fatty three acid in a fashion that uh, isn't often utilized in a lot of supplements. It's probably eight times more effective than your average fish oil. So there's really not very many reasons why you shouldn't try it. It does reduce inflammation throughout the body. It slows down swelling. And this is normally the source of the majority of the pain you experience. Again, it's worked wonders for me. I, I really, all I can tell you, while I can't guarantee you that it will have the same effect for you, what I can guarantee you, based on my results, it's certainly worth giving it a try. So go ahead, visit them right now. Exclusive offers for tapping to the truth listeners. FixSwollenFeet.com. Uh, go there now. Take full advantage. Now, there's still plenty more that we could go on and on about, and something tells me that we're going to have plenty of more opportunities to discuss and talk about what's happening in New Mexico. In fact, I'm likely to circle back around multiple times today anyway, but there are other stories that are important that are also assaults on your constitutional rights uh, that we need to talk about. And another one of these is that California bill that we were talking about. You'll recall that uh, the California Senate passed a bill that essentially has a amendment to it that redefines child abuse as including if a parent or an organization doesn't support, acknowledge, and encourage a new gender identity change. You have to affirm their gender identity. Otherwise, you're engaged in child abuse. They may come take your kids away. 
Now, we told you then it was a matter of it going back to the state assembly. Well, that occurred this past Friday. It's done deal. It now is going to Gavin Newsom's desk. So I would imagine, given how much Gavin wants this to be the case, if he hasn't already done it in a special session today that I haven't heard about, that it undoubtedly will be signed into law in California uh, most likely on Monday, probably Tuesday at the latest, like I said, unless he's already done it and they just haven't made a big deal about it yet. Most of the reporting on this since then has said things like California may soon require or California soon may. California is going to do this. I don't know why you're using that language, media outlets. I don't care if you're conservative media outlet. I don't care if you're a normal mainstream outlet that leans way to the left. Stop using this may and maybe and could possibly language. They wouldn't be pushing it so hard if they weren't going to do it. Yes, they are going to require judges to look at whether or not parents go along with a child's gender identity during custody disputes. They're going to force judges to look at it for a multitude of other reasons. They have every intention. Okay, let me, let me take a breath here. Okay? Because if I get too worked up at this point, I'm not going to be able to set the stage well enough. Let me take a break. See, the media really is bugging me on this because they do keep using that language. We know they are going to expect judges, to be fair, most judges in California, especially at the state level, already were. But for the few holdouts that were still trying to do other things, they really didn't want those few, those very, very few, one or two remaining judges out there that actually followed simple, basic, fundamental judicial principles like deciding based on common sense and the law, uh, based on parental rights being observed first as opposed to what the state wants uh, first. Uh, those holdouts, those people, they must now be forced to consider in the same fashion whether they're looking at custody disputes or uh, whether you're looking about uh, whether a, a student has a right to, to use a certain bathroom, uh, they all are now going to have to consider gender identity, uh, something that these kids really have no business being involved with, but hey, it's the state, right? So obviously we're talking about the Democratic-backed bill AB 957. Now, it passed the state assembly on Friday. And, of course, the state senate uh, had passed its uh, the original version that was passed from the assembly back in May. Uh, the state senate passed on Thursday along with some brand new amendments. Now, again, the amendment coming from a certain state representative from the San Francisco district by the name of Wiener, uh, he added along with the bill the fact that you're going to have to consider it. You have to consider a gender identity as part of whether or not it's the well-being of the child. So now, 
after going back to the state assembly and it passed with flying colors there, it's now on its way to Governor Gavin Newsom's desk. The bill would require judges to consider whether a parent affirms, love their language, affirms a child's gender identity, among other factors during custody battles. According to the bill, the health, safety, and welfare of the child includes, among other comprehensive factors, the parent's affirmation of the child's gender identity or gender expression. Affirmation includes a range of actions and will be unique for each child, but in every case must promote the child's overall health and well-being. Now, I would say that that language could be used to argue that gender identity, if you have a child suffering from gender dysphoria, actually suffering from it, that just means you need to be seeking proper uh, care, which is more of a mental thing than a physical thing. Uh, not the way the Democrats want to read or interpret it, but and I would say that that's really what that law should be saying, we know that's not how it'll be enforced. We know that it's going to be enforced, not just during battles over custody, but it's also going to be used when the two parents agree, but they're in disagreement about whether or not their son, John, should start wearing dresses and call himself Joni. And in that case, that's now going to be considered child abuse. Now, Assembly Member Lori Wilson she said that the affirmation could mean whether a parent provided gender-targeted toys or nail polish and hair lengths. All of this, really reported by the Associated Press, freely said out loud, her words not taken out of context, this is where they're going with this. Then another bill passed the Assembly, 57 to 16, and was opposed by California Republicans and conservative groups who say that the bill will erode parents' rights and be easily manipulated. Wow. There are some shockers. There, there are certainly some Sherlock moments. It took some great uh, abilities of perception to see that. I mean, they're absolutely right. I, I, I don't mean to demean them in being incorrect. I'm just saying it's so obvious that Everybody should see this for what it is. And again, uh, will erode. It does erode. It does away with it. There are no longer parental rights as soon as in, in the state of California, as soon as Gavin Newsom signs this. There just isn't. Quoting here from uh, California Family Council, this bill will require judges to equate affirmation of a child's gender transition directly with a child's health, safety, and welfare when determining custody or visitation rights. Consequently, parents who do not affirm the chosen gender identity of the child, well, they risk having their child taken from them. Again, uh, what a shocker, Sherlock. Uh, it's pretty obvious what the in, 
what the intended consequences are here. The, the legal consequences are obvious. They're clear. There's not a question about what their intent is here. It's not about protecting children. It's literally the opposite. They're trying to get children away from their parents so they can turn them into great little obeying automatons for the state. It's what communist Marxists need. And if you think for a second that Gavin Newsom isn't a Marxist, then you're not paying attention to his policies. Don't listen to the words he says. Pay attention to the things he does. Every time California starts to pay a little attention, there's a recall election. And then, strangely, they go to sleep because they just can't bring themselves to vote for somebody that actually has some common sense. So, oh, Gavin Newsom survives the recall election. Better the devil you know than the devil you don't? How about this? How about voting for somebody that's not a freaking devil in the first place? You had a chance, by the way. Californians, man. <laughs> anyway, not all Californians, obviously, but the ones that keep voting for people like Gavin Newsom, London Breed, those folks, you keep voting for that help. Man, you deserve way worse than what you're getting. It's a good thing California is a resilient state, but it's a shame that you're going to have to make it soon without any of the things that made your state great because all the best folks are leaving the state. And and if you're there hanging on, if you're, if you're even just slightly left of center, now you need to get the hell out because you're going to be the next targets. Just get out, let the uber left collapse in on themselves, and then just be ready to come back in and sweep up the mess they made. Because if you stay trying to fight and save your state right now, you're only going to be criminalized. You're going to be locked up. Because we see what they're doing in all the other democratically controlled jurisdictions, right? You're paying attention. If not, you need to start. There are people going to prison now for First Amendment exercises. The Banana Republic is in full effect right now, and we've got a, a very rapidly closing window of opportunity to, to save the whole republic. Some of the states need to take a major hit, and unfortunately, California is one of those places. Stop trying to take parental rights away from parents. Why are the parents sitting back and allowing it? Why are grandparents sitting back and allowing it? Why are you still continuing to bloat, to vote blue no matter who, when you still don't seem to equate the simple fact that it's a voting blue that's got you into this situation? Now, back in June, when this bill was making its way through the legislature, one attorney representing a mother of a girl who used to have gender dysphoria said that if passed, that this measure could be easily manipulated. Well, yes. Of course it can be. And worse than that, kids who just suddenly think they're not liking their parents can use this to manipulate the courts to get the courts to intervene on their behalf. It's just another tool that's being too broadly implemented and doesn't address what it's supposed to. If you want to try and provide an opportunity for children that are suffering from gender dysphoria uh, protections, then you need to address being able to get them the help they need. 
actual gender dysphoria does not lead to the type of behavior that this is going to create. It's not. Family court judges will be compelled to favor the child who will affirm the child's delusion. Parents can easily game the system as well, use gender as retaliation against each other. What happens when one parent will socially affirm the child but will not agree to medicalize? Does the parent willing to do more transitioning prevail? Well, according to this law, that's what the judge is supposed to do. Even Elon Musk came out and voiced strong criticism of this uh, and transgender ideology uh, altogether, saying that this particular bill was dangerous. Well, yes, it is. This bill is a wolf in sheep's clothing. What it actually means is that if you disagree with the other parent about sterilizing your child, you lose custody. Utter madness. Uh, that's Elon Musk's quote, uh, which you can still find over at X, formerly Twitter, if you choose to look it up. Now, we talked about this being passed with the amendment that created this particular section that changed the narrative of what had passed over in the state assembly to start with. We talked about this last, I guess it was Thursday, because Thursday was the, the special show. I, I didn't have my voice at all on Tuesday, so I really couldn't do the show. But we talked about it then. And in the time it took for it to pass, the very next day, the General Assembly said, oh, well, you know what? We like it. Let's do it. Boom. And it was done. It would not surprise me to find out at some point today that Gavin Newsom had a secret signing thing and went ahead. That It wouldn't surprise me to find out that he went ahead and signed it into law later Friday and they just haven't announced it yet. None of that would surprise me at this point. Although, quite honestly, what I really expect is there's going to be a huge to-do about this one. Because they know this is a major win for them. We've got to do better at protecting the children. Stuff like this, it can't be allowed to stand. We need to reset the hour right about now so you guys... Uh, don't go anywhere. Before we do, though, I do want to remind you, please visit our friends over at Four Patriots. Uh, if you haven't checked them out, you really don't know what it is you're missing. Uh, a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, it really is. Uh, whether you need water purification or whether you're looking for backup emergency power, uh, if you've got to have your electricity for medical devices or just to keep your refrigerator running, there's a lot of great solutions over there. You don't have to worry about carbon monoxide poisoning with those particular solutions. And if you just need survival food kits, go find the kits that are rated for 25 years and taste great. Don't just survive, thrive. You can do that with Four Patriots, but you've got to visit them and see for yourself first. You do that by going to fourpatriots.com and then when you start seeing some of that school school stuff 
and start putting some of that cool stuff in your uh, shopping cart, you're going to need to remember promo code TAP, T-A-P-P, at your checkout. Save yourself 10% on that order. In the age of Bidenomics, who can afford not to save money? Visit them at www.the4patriots.com. Use promo code TAP. Andy Berger, founder and chair of Voices Against Trafficking. Check out our website, VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com, for our books and magazines. And you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. What a beautiful noise coming up from the street. Got a beautiful sound. It's got a beautiful beat. It's a beautiful noise. On everywhere, like the clickety clack of a train on a track, it's got rhythm to spare. You're listening to Tap into the Truth. Hey, Joe, they say building back better make America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say Stick your progress where the sun don't shine Keep your big mess away from me and mine If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just fine All right, a very brief reset as we were already late going into it uh, before we jump into the next story, however, let me take a moment to once again remind you about our friends over at Native Path. I'm going to start there first this hour because it's kind of important that you understand how much you need to take care of your own health. Now, we, we've seen these stories now. We've seen the new oaths that they're taking. Uh, a lot of these medical schools have thrown away the idea of the Hippocratic Oath. And the notion now is that they have to be more concerned about diversity and recognizing of native lands being usurped and, and a lot of stuff that has nothing at all to do with healthcare. I mean, I, if you wanna be worried about those things, Hey, more power to you, but that has nothing to do with the chosen profession. Does that matter to them? No, clearly it does not. They're trying to brainwash and indoctrinate. They're not worried about, you know, putting the best possible doctors and nurses out there. So we got to do the smart things, you know, eating right, exercise, quality supplements. If you're worried about your heart, your memory, swollen, achy joints, our friends at Datapath have a really good option for you. They've got this great Antarctic krill oil supplement that not only can help put an end to issues with all three of those, but I can personally attest to you that when it comes to the swollen achy joints, my knees and ankles are worlds better now than when I first started taking it. And I'm going to continue, even if they discontinue being a sponsor, I'm going to continue taking the product because it's been that good, period. Now, their stuff has been shown in studies 
to support healthy blood pressure, to improve circulation, brain health, as well as reduce inflammation throughout the body and swelling and joint pain. No better time to try for yourself to get in, involved with this exclusive offer for listeners to tap into the truth by visiting FixSwollenFeet.com. You literally have the opportunity to get up to 58% off of the Native Path Antarctic Krill. It's great stuff. The krill oil is pure. It's certainly effective. It's easily absorbed and used by the body. It does what it's supposed to do. And while I can't guarantee you that it will have the same effect for you that it has had for me, I can promise you that it's well worth giving it a shot. Please, FixSwollenFeet.com. Seems like a good place to go. Now, more stories to get to, so let's jump right in. Got uh, two quick stories that kind of merged together, so let's get started. There was a brand new study released that shows a significant amount of overlap between government and pharmaceutical jobs. Hmm. Gee, that's interesting, don't you think? Now, when you leave the government and you want to move into the pharmaceutical range, you have to play nice with the pharmaceutical companies, right? I mean, you're wanting to get one of those really high-dollar, big-paying jobs over there. You're not going to do that if you get on an enemy's list. You're not going to do that if you're not playing the game the way they need you to play it. So, again, according to the study, you're basically leaving the government, well, they use the word vulnerable to industry bias. Personally, I think that's vulnerable to bribery. But, uh, yeah, industry bias. We'll go with that. It certainly sounds like we're being diplomatic and offering the benefit of the doubt. You're not just doing it for just the dollars, but the possibility of the dollars may be shading your judgment. So it's just a bias. It's not full-blown corruption. <laughs> anyway, this particular study published by the Health Affairs uh, showed that over half of appointees to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, that's the CDC for the rest of you, uh, and the uh, Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services, well, when they left their government jobs to, to work in the private sector, guess where they were at? Well, they were over there somewhere in the pharmaceutical industry, of course. I mean, that does kind of seem like a lot, doesn't it? Nearly... 50%. Wow. Uh, anyway, they normally go to the pharmaceutical industry, which generally pays more. <gasps> more than that really sweet government money they were getting paid? Yeah, yes. Yes, indeed. Anyway, the study was conducted by the University of Southern California Schaefer Center for Health Policy and Economics and Harvard University. Now, I would think both of those universities would have had good reason to try to cover up this information. So, actually, a bit of kudos and a hat tip for getting that information out in the open. Anyway, uh, according to the USC Schaefer Center, uh, 
they said about the project, quote, although there are understandable reasons for people to move between the public and private sectors, the study notes that such a revolving door could make government agencies more vulnerable to pro-industry biases. Now, overall, the study found that nearly a third of those appointed to the Department of Health and Human Services went straight from government work into pharmaceutical industry work. They didn't miss a beat, didn't hesitate, didn't even take a month off, just said boom, boom, and there they were. Meaning they were already lined up. They knew before they left their government position that that job was waiting. Okay, it was already a done deal, which means they may have already been in their good graces for other reasons. Maybe that pro-industry biases we're talking about. I, again, just spiffballing, right? Even though this study clearly showed it to be true. Nearly a third from the Health and Human Services Department straight to the pharmaceutical. Anyway, the authors of the particular uh, study, they evaluated 766 HHS appointees. Quoting again, of people appointed to the Department of Health and Human Services between 2004 and 2020, 15% had been employed in private industry immediately before their appointment. At the end of their tenure, 32% exited to industry. So, what that means is about 15% of the people that the government are handpicking were already working for one of these companies that they're supposed to have kind of an oversight towards safety operating within the legal boundaries rule they're supposed to be watching over they're supposed to be protecting the american people from these companies taking shortcuts right not helping them cut through the red tape so they can get at the american people faster so they can be profitable uh before they have to shut down because they screwed up you know that kind of thing so about 15 percent had worked there already come in serve for a while and then 32% go out and go back, back into the industry. So roughly the 15% that had worked in the private sector for the pharmaceutical industry before end up going back. And then an additional 18%, an additional 17%, somewhere in that area, they also... Follow them and say, like, oh, yeah, we were on board. We were good little workers for you guys. You might as well pay us for it. <laughs> okay, at any rate, according to the studies, they found no significant difference between party appointees leaving the government into the pharmaceutical industry, meaning that it didn't matter if they were Democrats or Republicans. The revolving doors can lead to conflict because of the key role that federal agencies play in approving new drugs and treatments. Quoting again, laws passed by Congress get a lot of attention, but a lot of the real action actually happens at the regulatory level. 
regulatory agencies can decide the fortunes of many of these companies. Now, again, this is coming from the primary author of the study. And this individual went ahead and added that current law likely did not complete, did not completely shield the government from bias, with only limited measures in place to prevent overlap. So basically what they're saying is there needs to be more laws put in place as far as who can serve as an appointee for the Department of Health and Human Services and for the Department of Medicare and Medicaid. There needs to be more restrictions put in place, and there needs to be clearly a, a boundary that says, okay, and once you no longer work for the government, you cannot go work for these same people. So you don't have a vested interest in promoting them, and so that they don't have a vested interest in trying to corrupt you. Of course, they still have a vested interest in trying to corrupt you, but it makes it a lot harder for them to hide the corruption if you happen to go into it. That's the insinuation here. Continuing with a quotation, they do not broadly cover a lot of lobbying related to agency decision-making, like regulations and drug authorizations. So they don't necessarily deter that behavior. Again, she's talking about the laws that are supposed to kind of be that border here, the boundary, the place where the government acts as a protector of the people as opposed to a protector of the industry. She continued, the direction one might go is to expand the cooling off laws, but that's a blunt instrument for a lot of subtle things that might be going on in terms of the effects of the revolving door. Translation, if somebody's already been bought, it's not going to matter how long they have to wait to take an official title. That's what she's saying there. She finished by saying, what I'm really concerned about is whether the personal flow, personnel flow, not personal, the personnel flow might lead to biases in government decision-making. So just kind of circles back around to what the real threat is. And there is a real threat. Because the government is interested at this point, because individuals within the government have a vested interest in pharmaceuticals doing well, being free to continue to do things that maybe they wouldn't have been able to get away with in years gone by. And as a good example of exactly that, we just recently had both the Biden administration and uh, certain pharmaceutical companies lobbying for a petition to the Supreme Court, one that the Biden administration then went ahead and pushed forward. They petitioned the Supreme Court to intervene against restrictions that have been imposed on chemical abortion drugs, claiming that the limits that are currently put on the drug are, quote, damaging for women and healthcare providers around the nation. So let me set the picture. In a legal filing that took place this past Friday, the Department of Justice said that the high court should not uphold limits placed on 
uh, the abortion drug that were set forth by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals that would prohibit the distribution of the pills through the mail or prescribed by a telemedicine. The limits placed on the drug cannot be implemented until the Supreme Court issues a ruling on the decision. The effect of the lower court's decision would be to compel the FDA to return to the pre-2016 regulatory regime that imposes restrictions on distributions that FDA has found to be unnecessary and unjustified. This a direct quote from the DOJ's petition. The DOJ also said that when it comes to methylprestone, which I'm probably mispronouncing, but we'll move on anyway, used in up to half of all abortions, was best method to end the life of a pre-born baby human early in development. Danico Laboratories, the manufacturer of a widely used abortion pill, also said in a Friday legal filing that the Supreme Court should throw out the Fifth Circuit's limits on the drug altogether. So do you see how we transition from the story about the revolving door of government employees and appointees back into the industry and then how the Biden administration is in court. Now, they're fighting to help protect the interests of Danico Laboratories and other abortion pill manufacturers. And they're going to claim it's in the interest of protecting a woman's right to choose. But is that really their interest here? Or is their interest here in protecting the bottom line of several pharmaceutical companies that some of these folks are going to end up working for in short order? Should we at least be asking the question? I think we should. Look, these restrictions have been put in place because the drug has been shown to be dangerous if used unsupervised. Now, I don't personally like the idea of mail order sending drugs, regardless of what they are, to people. You know, if you're taking a supplement of some kind, that's one thing. If you are taking actual prescribed medications, you should probably have to go pick that up at a pharmacy. And if your local pharmacy cannot distribute it to you because of restrictions in the state, then you have a choice. Either you just don't get that, or you move to a state where they haven't. Stop trying to find workarounds. Because the restriction here is you can't just send it mail order. The restriction here is even with telehealth, because this is a case where even when these drugs are distributed in the facility, in the doctor's office, that medical emergencies can arrive. That the women who take them can face life-altering physical damage to their body as a result of the medicines not working right. And for the administration to make the claim that this is best practice, it doesn't seem to me like a determination that they're in a position to make. The Fifth 
Circuit Court of Appeals didn't make their ruling based solely on whether or not they support uh, the idea of abortion. They made the ruling on what's clearly an unprecedented change in the uh, FDA's approval process and the re how they changed the rules. There's a lot of things at play here that the left doesn't want you thinking about and that the Biden administration certainly doesn't want you thinking about. And I guarantee you, pharmaceutical companies don't want you knowing about the, the lies getting harder and harder for them to maintain. A lot of them aren't even bothering to try to cover it up anymore. They're just trying to play the old shell game. Hey, uh, yeah, this is, this is about your right to choose. Never mind that actually there are legitimate safety concerns that we should be worried about in the distribution of this particular drug to you. Never mind the fact that there are also legitimate constitutional crisis level events in the idea that you can telehealth appointment from the state of Alabama to a doctor in the state of California, and he can prescribe medication to you that's not legally available in Alabama, and you can have it mail-ordered to you from a pharmacy in California, and because the post office isn't supposed to look and see what's inside your mail package, you can still receive procedures in your home state that are not legally permissible. Let's ignore all those tricky and sticky legal questions and ethical questions and get back to the simple fact that there's a legitimate health concern at play, including the FDA not following their own normal protocols. Why do we change the protocols? Somebody's going to be making money. Is that somebody, someone with the FDA, who is retiring in six months? And we'll be immediately moving over to Danico Industries. Again, I, I'm just asking a question. Now, Jessica Ellsworth, a lawyer representing Danico, she said that, quote, for a woman, oh, I'm sorry, for the women and teenage girls, healthcare providers and the states that depend on FDA's actions to ensure safe and effective reproductive health care is available, this case matters tremendously. Well, you bet your bippy it does, but it's not so much for the women and certainly for the teenage girls that we're talking about. It is for the health care providers. It is for the democratically controlled states. It is for the FDA. And it certainly is for companies like Danco. But not so much for the women who will take this pill and then suffer some unexpected harm and won't be able to get adequate health care immediately because they weren't in a doctor's office or at a health care facility when they took the medication. Because they didn't immediately respond as soon as the negative effects started showing symptoms. No, we're not worried about those folks. Just like you're not worried about the folks who might have actually already been on the dole, even though they're not supposed to. Not necessarily from Danco, but any number of other pharmaceutical companies. We wouldn't want to 
accuse anyone of corruption, of padding their own pockets, of, of being on board with just uh, approvals outside of the normal regulations in hopes of maybe getting a job later if they're not already on the door. No, that would never. That's not a factor. What am I even talking about? Clearly, we need to listen to Jessica. Because Jessica continued by saying, and for the pharmaceutical and biotechnology industry, permitting judicial second guessing of FDA scientific evaluations of data will have a wildly destabilizing effect. Well, uh, point made, we're done. How dare any of us ever question any of these? Clearly, that's what they're most concerned about. Some judge somewhere who doesn't understand second-guessing the FDA's scientific evaluation. Except here's, here's the thing. Scientific evaluations are typically written in a fashion that somebody that could get through law school can probably understand most of it and can probably get a layman's description for the parts they don't understand. So I'm pretty sure they're only going to be second-guessing the decisions of the FDA if there are legitimate reasons to second-guess the FDA. And right off the bat, there are actually laws in place that govern when the FDA is allowed to deviate from their normal established processes, which again, the Mr. Prestone, and again, I'm probably mispronouncing that, was approved for uh, the mail order distribution through a means that is outside of their normal process that doesn't match with how they normally would go about doing a decision like that and certainly seems to be ignoring the fact that there is a statistically significant number of women who suffer life-altering side effects from taking the medication if unattended. Uh, side effects that can be mitigated, uh, side effects that can be prevented from being life-altering if they can get immediate medical care at the onset of those particular symptoms. This is all well documented. Don't have to take my word for it. In fact, I suggest you don't. Go do the research for yourself and see what I'm saying. But yeah, because of the wildly destabilizing effect that a judge second-guessing the FDA's it's very scientific very not at all possible to have been compromised by money or love of an agenda. Uh, yeah, that's the real danger here. Thank you, Jessica, for clearing that up for the rest of us. The Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine uh, said that we have to have that now. Proves that the medical profession has moved away from Hippocratic Medicine. You know, the old oath where they say first do no harm. Yeah, that's out the window, right? Anyway, the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine, represented by the Alliance Defending Freedom, and now when those two have to get together, that tells you there's trouble a-brewing. They sued to stop the distribution and the approval of the drug by the FDA. 
Now, the ADF lawyers have said that the agency's decision to approve the mephaprestone was completely and totally political. <gasps> oh, no. Political? You mean that the FDA, fully loaded with deep state appointees from Democratic operatives of the past, would actually approve a drug based on the agenda of providing abortions on demand as opposed to truly being concerned about the, the health of the people who might take the drug? That just seems so outrageous. So outrageous that we would ever suggest such a thing. Anyway, quoting here, the FDA's unprecedented and unlawful actions did not reflect scientific judgment, but rather revealed politically driven decisions to push a dangerous drug regimen without regard to women's health or the rule of law. This is a significant victory for the doctors and medical associations that we represent and, more importantly, the health and safety of women. That, of course, was from the ADF senior counsel, Miss Erin Howley. She said that after the Fifth Circuit upheld restrictions of the drug last month. Now, here's the thing. The Supreme Court is expected to come to a decision on this particular case this upcoming fall. This is after previously putting a stay on the broader federal judge order to fully suspend approval of the pill. Now, what this still boils down to is we're going to have to keep an eye on it, but the Supreme Court has said they're going to not suspend the approval. As they listen to more of this case, they could change their mind on that count, and I'm going to recommend that they should probably should. The approval from start to finish has clearly been motivated by politics, not by health. And when the FDA is more concerned about the political agenda, that's your first clue that there's a problem. But that problem may be further exacerbated by the findings of the study that we started talking about in this segment where certain folks weren't necessarily focused on protecting your health, but were focused on the health of their bank accounts once they stepped down from their current positions. <sighs> so, with that being said, what do you say we talk just a minute about our friends over at Vanish Holsters? Yeah, I know, we talk about Vanish Holsters a lot, we talk about Four Patriots a lot. We talk about our friends over at Data Path a lot. We even talk about my pillow quite a bit. The reason we do that is because they are sponsors of the show, but also because they have quality products that you really could benefit from. And if you're a listener of the show, I'm not going to just pick any random product. I'm, I'm, I've turned down a few products here and there. There is suddenly... And it has a lot to do with you guys and the the response you guys have had to our sponsors. Uh, there's interest in being a sponsor here. I, I no longer have enough spaces available for all the folks that are reaching out, which has led me to a position where like, okay, I've got to be picky, which I kind of was from the first place. But I also, um, maybe if I get enough good offers, need to figure out new ways to 
provide value to new sponsors. But that value doesn't come from me talking to you about it. That value comes from you acting on me talking about it. And so I only want to bring you stuff that I feel like you're going to benefit from because that's where reorders come from. That's where people continuing. And Vanish Holsters is the kind of product that maybe you don't need very many of. You're certainly not going to need to replace one you've got anytime soon, but you might want to have more than one for various purposes. Maybe you want to buy it as a gift for someone. I don't know. But I do know that there's been solid response early on, and I have to thank you for that. But if you're one of the listeners that hasn't already taken advantage, hadn't went and checked it out for yourself, or you've just been postponing or taking action, don't wait much longer. We've already lost 10% on the discount because of price changes, because of Bidenomics. They're still fighting to try to keep the prices down, and they're in the middle of trying to move all of their manufacturing processes back into the United States because they want to be a full American company, and that too is going to raise prices a bit. Uh, Most of us are willing to pay a little extra for all American-made products, so Uh, That is something that they're hoping that you guys will continue. But here's the thing. From a strictly tactical point of view, the comfort factor of the holster, the comfort factor, the ability to carry in multiple positions, the simple fact that it's designed to work with almost all semi-automatic handguns, which is what most people are carrying these days, And even if you like carrying a revolver, there's no reason for you not to carry a semi-automatic as well. It's designed to work without a tactical belt. It's designed to let you carry two additional magazines. There's so many things that go into a Vanish holster that other folks are trying to emulate them now. But nobody's quite matching up. Nobody can bring you the quality and the functionality that they do it's just the best thing going and all i ask is don't take my word go see for yourself do that by visiting www.vnsh.com backslash t-a-p-p now by using the backslash t-a-p-p you do two things you first let them know that you're part of this audience which allows them to know that they have uh, spent money well by sponsoring this show, but it also automatically activates for you a $40 discount. If you want to take full advantage of that $40 discount, utilize the backslash T-A-P-P. Again, just go visit. Uh, stop making me try to hard sell. Just go visit. I shouldn't have to sell this to you at all. If you are a gun owner, this is a no-brainer. It really is. www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. This is Gordon Knight with Deep Seek Diaries. You're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth.
Is Uncle Joe Biden a threat to traditional Western values? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Four years ago, the United States was considered by both allies and enemies to be a strong and most important nation on Earth. Love her or hate her, America the Beautiful was not to be trifled with. And during the President Trump administration, even Chinese dictator Xi Jinping was respectful toward the U.S., But today, a republic is akin to a rudderless vessel spinning out of control and heading toward a self-induced crash. Even Argentina's presidential frontrunner, Javier Millet, recently described socialism as garbage and human excrement. Millet also described Uncle Joe Biden as a dangerous left-wing president who was a threat to the traditional Western values that were the foundational building blocks of the great United States of America, the one-time envy of the world. But not only is Joe Biden a threat to traditional values, we have a Congress that is nothing more than a gaggle of howling dogs sitting on sharp rocks, helping Uncle Joe waste away our national wealth, prestige, and destroy our moral compass. My fellow Americans, we must now seek providential guidance and overcome O'Biden's destructive mission. I say America is worth saving. What say you? I'm Ron Edwards. Join me live 3 p.m. Eastern to find out where. Go to theronedwards.com. Second Skull is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. With an estimated 2.8 million Americans sustaining a traumatic brain injury each year and a half a million children being treated in the ER each year for a head injury, there have been recent declines in athletic participation levels. We believe that concerns and fears of head injuries are factors contributing to these declines in activity levels. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. Our product line of thin, lightweight, breathable, and practical solutions are each tested at independent and accredited laboratories. These products are patented and proven. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to BlueRidgeCoffeeCrafters.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 10% discount. Remember... Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. When I invented my pillow, my passion was to help each and every one of you. And 20 years later, all of your support is what keeps us going. Because of you, we've been able to create thousands of USA jobs and help millions get the best sleep ever. To thank you, my employees and I are bringing you a limited edition my pillow. The Giza Elegance My Pillow is made with my patented adjustable fill, the most amazing cotton, and a two-inch pipe gusset. 
It has four custom loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and you get my 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code TAPP or call 1-800-659-9936. That's MyPillow.com with promo code TAPP. Use your promo code to get your limited edition 20th anniversary MyPillow queen size. Retails for $69.98, now only $19.98. That's right, get a queen size MyPillow for only $19.98. From all of us here at MyPillow... You're listening to Tap into the Truth. Sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk, carjacking old lady at a red light, pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. You think it's cool, act a fool if you like Cuss out a cop, spit in his face Stomp on the flag and light it up Yeah, you think it's tough Well, try that in a small town See how far you make it down the road Yes, indeed, try that in a small town Try that in this small town I dare you all right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us. We are deep into the program now. We're moving into the final segment of the show. Going to try to get two relatively quick stories out for you. But before we do that, I do have to remind you one more time about our friends over at Four Patriots. Now, I spend a lot of time talking about their survival food kicks, kits. Enunciation important. And right now with my head cold, it's getting even harder to enunciate for some reason. But there's a reason why we spend so much time talking about it, and that's because they're so gosh darn good at it. I mean, realistically speaking, we're talking about uh, their survival kits bestsellers. We're talking about long-term survival food, short-term survival kits, specialty survival foods, meats and proteins, entrees and sides, breakfast and coffee, food bundles, uh, customizable, uh, just so much stuff going on. Uh, just taking a quick peek at the breakfast and food uh, section, the breakfast and coffee, uh, they have everything from their Freedom Joe Survival Coffee Kit to Country, country Griddle Breakfast, Heartland's Finest Powdered Milk, uh, just a ton of great products. They've got fruits and vegetable and snack survival, scrambled eggs. They've got survival shakes. Their chocolate shakes are pretty good, too. Uh, Freeze-dried berries, all kinds of stuff, including uh, a freaking honey powder, which uh, to me at first sounded kind of sketchy at best, and then tried it, and then I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty good. (laughs) Now, you've got the uh, meat and protein section. They've got a gold medallion all-meat survival food kit, uh, meat and protein deluxe survival kit. Uh, Just, you really have to see it to believe it. Their black bean burger mix kit is, uh, again, something that you really have to try to understand how good it is. And that's just a small part of what 4Patriots does. 
my point here is that your options are not limited. Your options continue to grow each and every day. Uh, they're constantly looking for new stuff to come along, and they're doing a great job with it. It's, I just, I can't speak highly enough of them, but no matter how highly I speak, ultimately it's up to you to decide, and the best way for you to make a decision is to go see for yourself, and you can do that by going to 4 Once you're there, look around. If you do start filling up that shopping cart, don't forget to use promo code TAP, that's T-A-P-P, at your checkout. Save yourself 10% in the age of Bidenomics. Who can afford not to save money? Again, that's the number four, patriots.com. Use promo code TAP at checkout, T-A-P-P, saves you 10%. All right, let's see if I can get to both of these stories. Uh, first, there's a federal appeals court that ruled against Mississippi's permanent voting ban for certain felons. Uh, going, they, well, they said it was going against the Supreme Court precedent in doing so. Now, I think this is important for a few different reasons, but let's get into it and set the stage first. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled just this last month that the Mississippi Constitution's lifetime voting ban for felons convicted of certain crimes violates the Eighth Amendment of the United States Constitution. Now, you might be scrambling the Eighth Amendment. Uh, uh, which one's Relax. It's okay if you don't know it. It's not one that we talk about all the time. And since I've mentioned it, you know I'm going to talk about it. So hang on. If you do already know, though, congratulations. You get a gold star today. Now, the Mississippi Constitution uh, revokes an individual's right to vote permanently if they receive a felony conviction for crimes, including arson, uh, bigamy, uh, bribery, embezzlement, forgery, murder, obtaining money or goods under false pretense, perjury, rape, or theft, as well as those crimes the Mississippi Attorney General determines fall under those explicit categories, such as armed robbery and timber larceny. Uh, they kind of do fall under, though, I would say, but at any rate... This particular case decided on by the court last month in Hopkins versus Hosman uh, was initiated by the Southern Poverty Law Center and the uh, law firm Simpson, Thatcher, and Bartlett uh, back in 2018. Judge James Dennis ruled that Mississippi's continuation of its lifetime ban on certain felons were against progress by, quote, bucking a clear and consistent trend in the country modeled by the 35 states and the District of Columbia that gave up permanent felling voting bans over the years. So, again, let me rephrase that. This particular judge said that this state is no longer allowed to place a permanent voting ban on felons, because there are 35 other states and the District of Columbia that decided they were no longer going to permanently ban felons from voting. 
Now, I'll remind you, under our federated system of government, we are generally supposed to give the states their right to make this decision, and it's completely independent. They're not under any pressure to follow what any other state's doing. And there should not be a mechanism at the federal level to try and force a state to do so. That's a violation of our federalism, or at least the principle of federalism at any rate. But to literally say because 35 other states in the District of Columbia stopped doing this, uh, you're not allowed to do it either, you're stopping progress? Mm, that's sketchy enough, but... Dennis further declared that Mississippi's permanent ban, quote, serves no legitimate uh, peniological purpose. It thwarts proper rehabilitation. Now, how does it uh, stop proper rehabilitation? Uh, the argument, of course, is that, well, if you don't feel like you can go back to being part of society, why would you want to go back to being part of society? Okay, well... I suppose there's a certain legitimacy to that particular principle. However, the idea of rehabilitation is very different than the idea of laws that are passed to encourage people not to commit the crime in the first place. The penal aspect of it is, if you get busted for this, you may not ever get to vote again, is meant to dissuade people from committing the crime in the first place. Uh, simply put, just don't do crime so you don't get convicted of a felony. You don't have to worry about it. But of course, when it comes to people that lean to the left, they believe all criminals are just victims of society. And of course, they also believe that it is their job to take up for the criminal now rather than for the victims of the criminals. Anyway, Dennis continued saying, by serving former offenders, serving, uh, I think the word here was supposed to be severing. So I'll go back. By severing, former offenders from the body politic forever, Mississippi ensures that they will never be fully rehabilitated, continues to punish them beyond the term their culpability requires, and serves no productive function to society. It is thus a cruel and unusual punishment. Oh, but you see... <sighs> It's not cruel because cruelty would mean it would be some type of actual physical harm. It doesn't promote any physical harm to these people if they don't get to vote. And it's not unusual because there are still other states that are doing it. And, you know, the simple solution to unusual punishment is just for people to do it more and then it's not unusual anymore, right? I do get it. There is a legitimate argument to be made that when it comes to if you served your time, then you paid your debt, and that things shouldn't continue to haunt you after that, especially if you're going to go back and make a legitimate effort. I get that. That, that is a legitimate argument. I, I'm actually on board with that. It's like you commit a crime, you go do your time, you get out, you should be done. 
You shouldn't be put in a position where you constantly feel ostracized. Being an ex-con, as long as it's actually ex, means that it's over. If you're getting away from the things that got you in trouble in the first place, you should be free to do things. So I'm actually on board with the argument for restoring felons' rights, as long as they're actually pursuing an honest effort to come back into society and be a productive member. That, to me, seems like a good thing. You do want to encourage them uh, to have learned and grown and, you know, don't forever punish someone for a mistake they made in their past. If they learn from the mistake and they moved on, hey, whatever. Now, if you've actually paid the price, so be it. Calling this cruel and unusual, though, that's not so much. And seeing that's the Eighth Amendment, they're trying to make the... Uh, argument against cruel and unusual punishments being the deciding factor here. Truthfully, they just need to put more pressure on the state of Mississippi to change their mind about permanent banding of felons. Now, Judge Edith Jones uh, countered in a dissenting opinion that the majority ruling itself contradicted the Constitution and reflected judicial activism. Now, Edith is correct. Section 2 of the 14th Amendment allows states to deprive citizens of the right to vote for either participation in rebellion or other crime. See, isn't it funny how much the 14th Amendment keeps coming up here lately? Jones declared that this provision expressly allows for lifetime voting bans for felons. And she has an argument there. So again, it's up to the state. It's a state's right issue. That's where this should be decided. Ultimately, I think the state of Mississippi needs to pursue this to the Supreme Court. I think the Supreme Court needs to side with the state of Mississippi. And then I would really like for the folks in the state of Mississippi to get on board with establishing a path for felons to regain a lot of these rights after they're back out into society. That is the way this should play out. The federal government has no role here. This is not about cruel or unusual punishment. This is about punishing someone well beyond the time for which they should be punished for a particular crime. It's just that the state has established this is one of those punishments, and it is permitted for as long as the state wants to do it. I just disagree that it should go on for an unlimited time. I think the whole purpose of our judicial system is to take dangerous criminals off the streets. But then when you start releasing people back into the streets, if they've actually paid their price, let them reintegrate. Let them get back into society. Now, if you want to establish a series of steps they have to do or a certain amount of time they have to stay out of trouble before they can even file, that sounds good to me, too. Just do it however you want to do. But this is for the state of Mississippi. Jones also cited the Supreme Court precedent set back in 1974 in the case Richardson versus Ramirez, which determined that felon voting bans didn't violate the Equal Protections Clause. In that particular case, the court ruled that the question of handling voting rights for felons should be hashed out 
in a legislative form and that it wasn't for their court to, quote, choose one set of values over another. Again, going back to the fact that we are a federal union of states and that this is a state issue. Go and convince the state legislatures, like I just said. Do the hard work of persuading your fellow citizens that the law should change. The court turned that advice on its head. No need to change the law through a laborious political process. The court will do it for you, so long as you rely on the due process clause rather than the equal protection clause. The five felons who sued for the right to vote were Dennis Hopkins, Herman Parker, Walter Wayne Kahn Jr., Byron Desmond Coleman, John O'Neill, and Ernest Wilhite. Hopkins, Parker, Kahn, and Wilhite were convicted of grand larceny. Coleman was convicted of receiving stolen property, and O'Neill was convicted of second-degree arson. All have completed their sentences. They've done their time. Mississippi does offer a slim chance for voting right restoration. The legislature may pass a bill to restore a particular individual's voting rights referred to as a suffrage bill. In response to the ruling, Mississippi requested an in blanc rehearing. Court of Appeals hearings normally consist of three judges. With this request, all justices of the Fifth Circuit of Appeals would hear the case. And the way the Fifth Circuit of Court of Appeals has been working recently, uh, if the whole court is listening, that might be enough. All right, just a, a few minutes of time left, so I don't have uh, the ability to get too far in depth. I uh, did want to touch on the fact that as that the Biden administration has been told by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals that they probably did violate the Constitution by putting pressure on social media to try to censor folks. And I also wanted to uh, mention the fact that Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin uh, on uh, Sunday, that being today, time of the live broadcast, has granted an absolute pardon to the father who was arrested at a school board meeting after the superintendent lied about his daughter's rape by a skirt-wearing boy. The pardon says that uh, the June 2021 Scott Smith exercised its constitutional rights to attend a public meeting at Loudoun County School Board to observe the proceedings during which time community members threatened to spread false and malicious information about Mr. Smith's business with the intent to damage his reputation. Now, it continued, but the good news is, and I'm glad to have some good news to report, that general pardon covers everything. That is a good place to leave things. I like having some good news to talk about. That is fantastic. Thank you, Governor uh, Youngkin in Virginia for once again doing the right thing. Meanwhile, that's going to have to be it for today. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, thank you for bearing with me as my voice continues to struggle as I'm still trying to get over this uh, head cold. In the meanwhile, remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort. Most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. This is Sim Tap, the ever so humble and
mostly peaceful host of Tap Into The Truth. My people of this country and we're under attack. They banning us, they cancel us for speaking the facts. If you man enough, come stand with us, take USA back. And every time we pull up, all you're gonna see is American flags. Powerless if the good are unafraid. 